0: Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones. It's Monday.
1: And you are watching Aim to dm Sorry, I'm already laughing about Adam Levine. We're not even there yet. Uh, <laughs> did you watch the Super Bowl? Sure did it. Yeah, what about it? you? Of course, I. as y'all know, because I'm now live-tweeting PlayStation 4 games. This is my new life on Twitter. Yeah, I've started playing up Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Ooh. Killing all those sharks with my sword. I love it. You were having a hard time with those sharks. It was really hard. I had to get advice from people on Twitter. Ooh. I had to go find some guides. There's. It's also like just that experience of, like, <laughs> some, I ain't too proud. Some guides? You, like, got <laughs> like the Nintendo a Sa- it's Creed, you're like, how <laughs> do you kill sharks? Literally something I had to search for. But I love it. I love it. Really uh, but good. what did you do, though? Uh, I went to see Free Solo, What's which that? is a documentary
0: about this guy who does rock climbing, oh. but without ropes. Free Solo. Yeah, so he does this incredible rock face in Yosemite. He's the first person to do it. Is he still with us? That would be called The Snuff Film He is, he is, he is still with us uh, And it's nominated For an Oscar Now Minding the Gap Is my favorite documentary Of the you year You love that That's the skateboarding but Yeah that's the skateboarding one But this one was really Really okay. good But Twitter We want to hear from you Let's take it to the timeline What did you do yesterday Let us know Using the hashtag AM2
1: I heard the Super Bowl Was really Really boring Like even by Super Bowl standards yeah very boring you get the super bowls you deserve friends well let's talk about 21 savage because huh what <laughs> why uh sanua you tweeted when 21 savage said i got 20 sorry i got shooters dressed in all red this is what he was talking mm-hmm. about red the red goats are coming red goats. and then i
0: started seeing tweets. so i said like again i was mm-hmm. at the
1: movie theaters mm-hmm. i was
0: offline for a yeah. lot of yesterday uh but i started seeing those kind of memes being mm-hmm. shared and then i started seeing some tweets like this one from lazy poet Twitter makes random jokes about 21 Savage.
1: Demi Lovato, ha, ha, ha. Twitter, and that's kind of what it looked like. Yeah, it was a, a pile on. Left, and I saw, because I saw, like, last night someone tweeted, like, Demi Lovato deleted her Twitter account. And I was like, yeah, that's the thing celebrities do. I didn't realize until this morning she's still trending because, yeah, she commented on the meme saying, oh, they're funny. I don't think she was joking herself. Yeah. But people were like, it's not funny, and started, like, Telling her to go do heroin and overdose. Like, I saw her what? Instagram. It was, like, overwhelming. I didn't realize she had delete- so she's she deleted So she deleted her Twitter heroin. account. So, like, every wow. aspect of this has been pretty absurd, crazy. I mean, and also, like, someone possibly being des- deported. So It's one of those Twitter stories that has all the angles. Yeah. It seems like everyone has thoughts. Just crazy. So, and again, there is news here. Uh, BuzzFeed News Culture Editor Tomi Ovaro pointed this out. Reading more about 21 Savage reminds me of this bleak article about the stark rise of deportations among black immigrants under the Trump administration.
0: Okay, so listen, we've got questions, and BuzzFeed News reporter Ryan Brooks, who covered this story, has answers. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning. Okay, so there's obviously a lot of moving parts here. What do
2: we know? So what we know, like like you said, there are a lot of moving parts here. But uh, what we know so far is 21 Savage was arrested um, uh, by ICE agents yesterday, yesterday morning, early yesterday morning. Um in Atlanta. He performed as recently as Thursday uh, for the Super Bowl, like halftime, um, sort of like show and in a concert in conjunction with that. And he has been in ICE custody there. ICE is claiming that he's a British national and that he's overstayed his visa uh, that was issued in 2005. That was supposed to expire in 2006. And he's been Uh, Living in Atlanta, like ever since he claims to be from Zone 6, which is a neighborhood in East Atlanta. Gucci Mane's from there. Um, A lot of rappers from the Atlanta scene like come out of Zone 6. Wow. Um, He raps about a lot and he's in Ice custody right now. And it's just really confusing for a lot of people um, that Ice is saying that he's a British national Mm -hmm. now. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And of course, part of this is like it's surreal to see like a, a well known rapper or a pop star like get kind of swept up in a very politi- politicized, part I mean, of, detained by yeah, ICE. Detained by ICE. But also, I want to say this also seemed random. Like, where did this come from? Again, like, I don't think a lot of people even knew at all that he was connected to the UK. So, do we have any sense of like why this is happening now with ICE?
2: Yeah. So, he was arrested for. Um, Well, he has a 2014 conviction for like a drug charge and they didn't know about this back then um, when he was convicted and he was in a car, uh, according to reports from CNN, um, he was in a car with another rapper that was being targeted for another drug charge. And so they found out that he didn't have like U.S. citizenship at this time, at at the time of that arrest. And then they contacted ICE and he was detained from there. Okay. Um, Sorry, keep going, keep going, Ryan. Um, So yeah, so he was detained by ICE from there and he's been in sort of like ICE custody ever since. His lawyers are working to get him out. Um, We talked to his publicist last night and they confirmed that he was still in ICE custody. Um, So yeah. So
0: he is still in ICE custody. We've heard from his team. They're still trying to clear things up. Have we heard anything
2: from ICE? Mm. We haven't heard back from ICE yet. I reached out yesterday, um, but the statements that they've provided... Uh, to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which was the first story to sort of like break that he was been detained by ICE. And then um, other news outlets, those statements have like confirmed that he's been um, in ICE custody ever since yesterday morning.
0: Okay, and let's talk about those statements. Here's a tweet from the Atlantic's Van Newkirk. I wasn't following the 21 Savage stuff super closely, but it is clear that ICE purposefully maximized the professional PR damage to him. And I saw other people kind of making these comments that their statements kind of embellished more than usual statements that come from ICE. So
2: Ryan, were those statements unusual in any way? So one of our own reporters here that covers immigration, Hamid, like tweeted out, he said that this is sort of like out of line for ICE. Like they usually, like he said, just give like the basic facts about this. But um, one of the ICE agents um, in that sort of like area told like CNN that like his whole public persona is fake and that he's sort of not this Atlanta rapper. He's a UK national. Um, and he's been like living here illegally basically. Um, and one of our own reporters here said like, sort of like, that's unprofessional. And he talked to a former like ice agent and said that like, that's, that's over the top. It's unprofessional and it's, but it's the status
1: quo for ice now. Um, yeah. ICE in 2019, well, actually. They're feeling um, bold. Yeah, that's where we are. Well, this is crazy. We're gonna keep following it because this has huge implications, not just for twenty one Warren Savage, but immigration more broadly. Uh, thanks for joining us, Ryan. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't the only crazy thing that was going on this weekend what the hell is going on in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Instead, um, Wesley had this to say about Governor Ralph Northam. Uh, Behind every embattled governor is a first lady, reminding him not to moonwalk at inappropriate moments. Wow, that was what, just that little not video, watching and
0: around. Absolutely, Wesley Dietrich summed up the press conference in this way, and I'm pretty sure it's not a direct quote, but just more the vibe. <laughs> I wore blackface. But just not that day. Oh, not
1: that time. Mm, that was the other time. It I was mean Yeah,
0: you mean the Michael like, oh, oh, so time? Talking about I was wearing mm, the other the time. Other time life
1: is, the other, other time. Yeah. It was like so much racist shit was going mm, on. It's mm, like hard but to keep but up. Not girl. that time. I thought you were talking about me. Nah, I was talking. Nah, about, nah, oh, okay. Not that good. time. But the we're good. other time. <laughs> Frank Thorpe had this to say this morning: Northam, holding his regular cabinet meeting right now this morning, says his spokesperson, and of course, this comes after a meeting with top staff and administrations officials of color last night. Okay. Yeah, they were just having a pre-planned Black History Month meeting. Nothing about the scandal, nothing to worry about. Last night. All
0: right, well, (laughs) listen, BuzzFeed News reporter Darren Sands joins us now. Darren, good morning. Good
3: morning, Isaac
0: Saeed. How y'all doing? Pretty good. Doing all right. I want to start here. Do we know what was discussed at that urgent meeting last night? Because he's having meetings this morning like things are normal.
3: Yeah, my sense is that he was really trying to um, take his staff's temperature Um, You know, what's happening now is that he's losing allies consistently here. Um, Doug Wilder, who was the first black governor of Virginia, initially said that it was his choice to make uh, whether he was going to step down or not. And now we have a situation where he does that press conference. And, um, you know, I think um, uh, Governor Wilder sort of really changed his mind about uh, Ralph Norton's ability to to move forward and to, to really move past this. So, I think that that is where we kind of are with the situation where it's a situation where um, he's clearly, you know, gonna maybe try and stick this out, right? But um, I don't know, you know, why um, he'd be meeting with folks and sort of having this staff meeting this morning if he wasn't going to um, really try to stick it out.
1: Yeah, it's pretty fascinating, in part also because, you know, as I understand it, he came into office in response to all of the turmoil after Charlottesville. Like, it it seemed like he really campaigned in kind of responding to, like, we need to heal as a commonwealth and respond to, you know, this racism. So, because this developed over the weekend, it was fast moving, it was crazy. Where did this story come from, right? Like, this is an old medical school yearbook photo. How did it surface, and how did it come to national attention?
3: Yeah, it comes from a website um, called Big League Politics, and it's a, a website that hadn't really been, um, uh, you know, all that popular. I think this is obviously their biggest scoop. Um, and he uh, had made some really controversial, I think, statements about late-term abortion, and that were misconstrued. He later said that they were mischaracterized, but um, only a couple of days after that, um, this 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 photo um, uh, emerged. It was from uh, apparently the source. Told was was apparently okay with people sort of knowing that they had a problem with uh, I guess those statements and that it was somewhat related. So um, that website ran that photo, and it's obviously you know uh, one of those things that um, is really taking over the internet.
0: And you had him kind of apologizing, and then you had him kind of going with, like, the shaggy defense. It wasn't me, even though it's on, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like, you know, and it was, it was wild to kind of watch it all play out over the weekend. But then we got to that press conference, and I just want to ask, Darren, what was up with the Michael Jackson moment? And, like, I think we know the answer to this, but, like, did that press conference help him in any way?
3: I really don't think it did, Isaac, at all. Um, that It was disjointed. He looked confused at sometimes. He was forgetting information, and then he was asking his wife whether certain things had happened. And he said that that was why she was there. It was just really, I think, um, something that the fact that he actually met with staff last night, apparently, you almost think or he should have maybe done that before. Mm. And maybe that this sort of thing wouldn't have, you know, spiraled out of control as it sort of did. Um, But um, that's where we are. So, you know, the whole Michael Jackson thing, people make this joke that like, by by nineteen eighty four, Michael Jackson looked, you know, not really black. So like where were you kinda of going for with, with, with that? But um yeah, I don't know, Isaac. It's it's so it's so one of the most bizarre stories I think, you know, we've um sort of encountered late, you know, early in this uh this year, twenty nineteen.
1: Yeah, it is bizarre. Uh, white people keep finding ways to surprise me. Uh yeah. Darren, thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, guys. All right, friends, this is crazy, and we want to keep talking about it, so let's take this to the timeline. If you became governor, uh, what scandal would threaten to upend your political career? What are the skeletons in your closet? Uh, Let us know using the hashtag, well, sure as fuck wouldn't be blackface. Sure would not. not. Listen, later in the
0: show, I'm sitting down with Max Greenfield, but up next, it's time for Fire Tweet. All about Adam Levine. (laughs) Oh.
1: All right, we have a very special edition of Fire Tweets inspired by yesterday's halftime. We're going to start with this tweet from uh, Isaac Fixgerald. He tweeted, more like Adam (laughs) LaMeme. Dad jokes, baby. But no, seriously, listen, we
0: figured out a way to talk about the Super Bowl. And it was just that picture of Adam Levine. You ready to do it? Let's go! Let's go! (laughs) Rebecca tweeted, Adam Levine is like a human Ouija board. Like, whoever's sleeping with him has to watch where they put
1: their hands, or they're gonna summon the demons. Mm. I mean, in which case, like, let the demons arrive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He looks like a a wall of flash at a tattoo studio. Like, he just looks like if he was just up
1: there, you'd be like, yeah,
0: can I just get that lion right here? That'd be great. I love it. Um, Here's a tweet
1: from Amanda. Mantis said Adam Levine is tattooed like he's the main character in Memento, but the mystery is where he left his jewel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> I saw a lot of people making the memento, like that almost became Perfect. its own, it's like a sub-meme a in whole the Adam thing. Levine. It's, a whole Levine genre. Thing. it's its own genre, and I saw somebody say Memento trying to re- remind himself that he's an asshole. Be <laughs> like, oh, oh, I forgot. Oh. I forgot California. I don't know why I'm clowning on him like I ain't covered, like I ain't looking like a, like a like like a puffy Adam Levine under this sweatshirt. Ah! Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Grace tweeted, "Look, y'all, Adam Levine is the definition of that guy you'd pretend you weren't sleeping with because all your friends are like, ugh, he's the worst, and you know that. But the D is right, so you just keep it on the low and make up excuses to leave the party early.
1: Home <clears throat> amongst us." who amongst us has not hooked up with someone, where mm. we're like, you know, here's my thing, because I tweeted about it and I was like, but he could still hit it though. And what happened, Saeed? I almost got ratioed. I didn't think Adam Levine's like looks, like being like, I let him hit it, being a, I didn't think it was a controversial point. Apparently it is, to which I say, the willingness to have sex with someone and admitting that they're attractive are actually two different things. <laughs>
0: Like I feel like a lot of a people were like, oh,
1: you know, because a lot of people were like, oh, I don't like his music and his tattoos are cheesy. And he's like, someone said he's like the chain smoker's dad. And I'm like, all of that is true. Right. Still sleep with him. I'm just, yeah, that. I, I think everyone that ratioed <laughs> you, I think they are lying. Let's take it to
0: the timeline. Show yourselves. Would you? Or wouldn't you, Adam Levine edition? Let us know using the hashtag #AM2. You are all a bunch of goddamn liars. Yeah, you sleep
1: with you, them. Come on, look at them. I love those tattoos. I slept with them.
0: <laughs> Stop. Okay, good. Come
1: on, Tweet of the Day, Tweet of the Day, what's up? You said... <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I could gonna do the button. Tweet of the Day comes from friend of the show, Z-Way. Now I have to explain to my children that Adam Levine has nipples. All right, that's a good point, too. Justice, Justice for, for children. <laughs> Justice, for for Janet. Janet. Justice, Justice for Janet. Justice for Janet. I bet Janet would sit at home like, yeah, I would. I <laughs> would. <laughs> We're going to end this.
0: Please, Ratio Saeed. I take it back. I'm not defending him anymore. Ratio Saeed on the timeline. Oh, uh, was my an- God. Coming up, you get to see my sit down with Max Greenfield, who played Schmidt in New Girl. But up next, we are going live from the day. i <laughs> I'm sorry.
4: I'm- <laughs>
1: I saw this tweet right before we started the countdown, and I have to read it. Okay. Isaac hasn't said this, um, Anne, you tweeted, um, I'd shout to the mountaintops if I slept with Adam Levine. Take out an ad in the papers. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, some truth. Ooh, some, I love it. Some tr- truth. I applaud your candor, that's Anne. That's right, that's okay, right. Okay, let's go live from the district. Here's a tweet from Emma Loop. Trump told the New York Times yesterday that the Trump Organization had not picked a location for Trump Tower in Moscow, but documents show they had Moscow City on the banks of the Moscow River. Sure, sounds like a location to me. Joining us now to talk about this story
0: is BuzzFeed News Capitol Hill reporter, Emma Loop. Good morning, Emma.
5: Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Okay, so listen,
0: what did you learn about the Trump Tower Moscow location and other things uh, like from these documents?
5: So these documents, this is the letter of intent that Trump himself signed in October 2015, kind of laying out some of the groundwork for the proposed deal. Uh, And in the documents, on the first page, actually, and we've embedded those documents online, the first page says it would be located in Moscow City, which is an area kind of outside the city center of Moscow, uh, you know, kind of a former industrial complex that is now home to many beautiful skyscrapers. So that was, you know, established as early as October 2015.
1: Oh, October 2015. Now, for people who perhaps, unlike BuzzFeed staffers, for example, who have been following this story very closely, can you explain the significance of us being able to demonstrate that, look, Trump signed this document?
5: Yeah, so, you know, Trump said throughout the campaign that he had no business dealings in Russia. And though he has argued that this project never really fully got off the ground and was not, you know, was not something he had put money towards uh, technically. A lot of people would still argue that this is this is a business dealing and that he wasn't completely forthcoming. So to have these documents to demonstrate, you know, what was going on behind the scenes, I think is valuable to people who want to understand what the president kind of was doing at that time behind the scenes.
0: Okay, and and do we have any sense of, like, how long this project was in development? Like, we have these Mm. documents, we have these signatures, but, like, was this just a couple weeks' conversation, or was it longer than that?
5: No, it was several months, in fact. So it started around the fall of 2015, around that time is when things picked up. And it, it extended, talks extended until at least the summer of 2016. So well into the primaries and into the part where of the campaign where Trump was the presumptive nominee uh, for the Republican Party. So this is something that went for several months.
0: All right. All right. Well, thank you very much. It went for several months. Really appreciate that, Emma. I hope you have a good rest of your day.
1: You too. Here's a tweet from NBC News. The Trump administration said reuniting thousands of migrant children separated from their families at the border may not be within the realm of the possible. Uh, Joining us now to talk about this is Dara Lind, who covers immigration for Fox. Good morning. Good. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, So why is the Trump administration saying that they don't, they're not sure if it will be possible to reunite these children with their families?
6: So... To back up a little bit, Uh, the Office of Inspector General for Health and Human Services, which is responsible for placing kids who come across the border without parents with families and was also responsible for taking care of separated kids, said that there could have been a lot more kids who were separated than the government knew about last year when they were forced by a court order to reunite the kids who were in custody because there might have been kids who were placed with sponsors before that court order came down. They don't know how many kids we're talking about. They said up to thousands. That thousands has kind of been taken as gospel, and we don't really know where they got it from. Mm. The government is now saying we could have thousands, we could have placed thousands of kids with sponsors who were separated. We don't know that, but we would have to go go to those families, many of whom are themselves unauthorized immigrants, ask them, hey, can we talk to this kid? You know, we promise we're not going to deport you, except maybe we will. You know, there are lots of trust concerns here that have made it really hard for the government to get in touch with families anyway, and that would make it logistically really hard to find out which kids were separated after they'd already placed them. Mm.
0: Okay, that, I mean, that's mind-boggling to me. Do we have any clear number, uh, they're saying thousands, but do we have any clear number of how many children are still separated, and how does the government lose
6: track of kids like this? So... We know that of the kids who were in custody when the court order came down last June, about some somewhere in the number of like one hundred and fifty or so are still separated. Most of those are because the parent uh, was, or they're still separated and in custody. Most because the parent waived reunification and they haven't found anyone else to place them with. Uh, there are also some parents who were deported and decided that it was better for the kid to stay in the U.S. with other relatives. The Question of losing track of kids. You might recall that this was actually the outrage that led to family separation becoming a big national issue to begin with. It was actually a separate story that two thousand kids that they had placed with sponsors toward the end of twenty seventeen they couldn't keep track of. Most of those kids probably were not most or none of them were probably separated from parents. Were not separated from parents. They were probably mostly with placed with parents or other close relatives. Um, But again. HHS and DHS are now in touch when HHS tries to place kids with sponsors. So there is a risk that if you are talking to HHS about your kid that they placed you with, DHS might be taking that information and arresting you for possible deportation. So there's a very good reason for these you know, relatives who are sponsoring these kids not to want to pick up the phone when the call could be coming from the government. Right.
1: And and and, and so I, I do want to say, I understand, and you've explained this so eloquently, Dara, the logistical challenge, like why it would be so hard to find people and why families, but isn't that an argument for why this probably
6: shouldn't have happened in the first place? Right, absolutely. And this is, you know, the the reason that this court filing happened over the weekend from the government is because the ACLU went back to the judge and said, look, we know that kids who were already out of custody weren't included in this original lawsuit, but surely this is against the spirit of what you told the government to stop—you know—to stop doing, because it wasn't really known at the time just how widespread it could have been, even before the kind of initial official nationwide family separation policy. We know that there was a pilot in 2017. We know that there were other cases where it looked like families were getting separated more aggressively under Trump. So it's a very good argument for we will never know and for the government's kind of lack of forthrightness in talking about a policy that was unofficially off the ground long before they made it an official thing. It's just really at this point not clear whether what we're talking about is a... Welp, this is a massive tragedy and bureaucratic clusterfuck that is not, you know, that, that we can't necessarily untangle or whether it's something where you can have some kind of resolution and the government trying to fix what it screwed up.
0: And there's and just real quick before we let you go. It's just a question that popped into my head. I understand why these families don't want to talk to the government. But is there any nonprofit or any group that's kind of stepping up uh, that could be kind of an outside third party to help try and figure this out?
6: This is actually something that we saw last summer when they had to do this marathon of reuniting thousands of kids who were in custody in a month. Uh, the ACLU stepped up. There were nonprofits in Central American countries that were stepping up. There is, you know, there are still lots of logistical and trust issues. Uh, just because you know, one of the stories of the Trump administration is that when your immigration status is in any way vulnerable, any you know stranger you talk to or any public being that you talk to could in theory lead to your eventual deportation. The way in which this has really gotten in the way of immigrants living their lives is, I think, really underrated right now.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, Dara, thank you so much for joining us and giving us all this insight. Thank you. Listen up next, I'm sitting down with actor Max Greenfield, and he brought his daughter to the set. It's pretty wow. adorable. Dude. Stay tuned. Welcome back, I'm joined now by actor Max Greenfield. We know and love him as Schmidt from New Girl, but he's also in about 5,000 other things. Most recently, CBS's The Neighborhood and the movie What Men Want. How are you, Max? I'm great, how are you? I'm doing really well. You've been keeping busy, man, making moves. I mean, I guess that's one way to look at it. I like to work, which is fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then every once in a while you're like, hey man, this project turned out really well. And that feels really good, doesn't yeah, it? Totally. Let's let's start with what men want. We've got uh, we've got a clip here. Let's take a look. See you later,
7: Captain, my man. Do we have any meetings on the books for Joe Dial and Jamal yet?
8: Nothing yet, but we are working on it. Just poker at Nick's house tonight, and you're not invited. You better
0: think, think. That's no fun. Have you <laughs> ever been? Have you ever been in that situation where like your friends or your coworkers are going to hang out without you? where
8: you're left out. Um, I think, you know, there's like somebody was like, somebody at, at my daughter's school uh, introduced me to what FOMO is. Oh, no. And I was like, what? What? Is, I don't even know what that means. And it's fear of missing out. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure everybody knows what I'm talking about this is new to me, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure I experienced it at some point. I can't point to anything.
0: <laughs> um, where you feel like you were missing out. Is, is it tough there with like making new friends with new parents and stuff like that? Yeah. Is I there s- a social s- circle around the school?
8: I suppose, like once you, once you get there, you're like trying to figure that out and then, you know, a few grades in, you go, all right, enough of this.
0: <laughs> you're like, you guys can go play. Yeah,
8: you're here to learn. Like <laughs> I'm not trying, to, this is not about me making friends. <laughs> I'm not trying to start a cocktail social hour just for the parents. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, but the movie, we saw, I, You know, I actually saw the movie the other day. I had not seen it. The first time I saw it was at the premiere. Wow. Um, and uh, it's so good. That...
0: How does that feel? Is that thrilling to like sit there at a premiere and be like, wait well, a I second. Play a,
8: yeah, it was really thrilling because I play a small role in them and there's a lot of different worlds in the movie. Like, and, and one of the worlds is where Taraji works and I play somebody who works in her office. So we, we sort of like, I, I saw how that world was working. But then, you know, she's with her friends and she's um, she's with Aldous Hodge for a lot of this movie. So I didn't get to see a ton of it. Um, and. Taraji and Adam Shankman, who directed the movie, did such an incredible job. She is a full-blown comedy movie star. That's incredible. Um, And then Erica Badu gives a performance in this movie that will blow you away. She's one of the funniest people I've ever seen on on camera.
0: That's so thrilling to hear. That's so wonderful. So that's gotta feel good. Yeah, you're just like, wait a second, this project, they struck gold.
8: Yeah, you like go to, uh, I, I originally thought, you know, it's gonna be great. It'll be like the original, only with yeah. Taraji in the lead, and it's like what you think it would be. Yeah. It's not. No, it's It is It is a big comedy.
0: It's about so many other things. It's about a woman trying to break through the glass ceiling. It's great.
8: They do a really wonderful job of balancing both like the heart and yeah. grounding the movie, and also having these scenes where Taraji commits so heavily to these big comedy scenes, and it was so much, so much fun to watch. Like I think I was the only person in the cast who had not seen the movie. <laughs> actually, I don't, actually, that's not true. Erica Badu had not seen it. <laughs> we were talking before the movie, and she was like, "You seen this yet?" I'm like, no, I have not. Uh, but then you go and you have these experiences, like at a premiere, and you're like, have popcorn, and you're watching, and you're like.
0: This is this came out great. <laughs> did, she, did you guys know this was gonna be the like, yeah, I'm like <laughs> They're like, Yes, we've seen the movie.
8: Everybody tells you it's good. Like all these people have like seen it. They're like, I'm telling you, the movie works It's really good. You're like, I don't believe you.
0: But you're like, no, they really did it. That's yeah, you were lying. Yeah, that was really good. Um, but but it is, it's about this woman. She's breaking through the glass ceiling. There's a lot there's a strong message behind it. It's great. Which I'm really excited to hear. Do you think there's a way in Hollywood that like men can do more to support women, to support you've worked with so many powerful women throughout your career.
8: Yeah, I know, my experience has been the opposite of everything that everyone's talking,
2: <laughs> talking about. <laughs> uh,
8: between, you know, New Girl and and, and, and working with Taraji. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think everybody's working towards, you know, equal opportunity and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you could obviously, you know, when you're on a set as an actor, the director is, is the one who's in charge and, you know, uh, Unfortunately, pre- predominantly, I think that position is 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 typically male. Mm-hmm. Um, but more and more, specifically lately, uh, you've seen so many more women uh, getting the opportunity. And uh, hopefully, you know, it, it balances itself out. You want
0: to see more women directors. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you're also working on The Neighborhood, which is a hilarious show. Yes. And you are working with a legend, Cedric the Entertainer. Yeah, no,
8: I mean, Cedric... To Sheena, uh, this show is just, uh, this is one of the greatest casts I've ever worked with.
0: Have you, have you learned anything from Cedric? Like, ha- have you picked up any tips?
8: Well, yeah, I mean, I will turn to Cedric a lot of the times, you know, doing the multicam, uh, and just ask him, like, is there a better way to do this? Mm-hmm. Or, like, what's... Like, what's the funniest way to do this? Or I'm like, I'm not hitting this beat. Do you have any suggestions? And sometimes he'll just give them to me. Because um, comedically, he
0: is as solid as anyone I've ever worked with. That's incredible. So you like, he will literally almost give you like, on-set coaching. Oh, totally. He worked me through one scene, and I was like, oh yeah, that's how to do that. Ooh. <laughs> and
8: it was embarrassing that I had like missed those beats. <laughs> No, I was like uh, thanks man
0: <laughs> you're like I see I see it now I see it now And yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really funny show, but it also tackles some like serious issues yeah uh, do you- they've
8: done a really good job of one picking the moments on the show to like really like, where to delve into that, but I also think the tone that Jim Reynolds and Cedric have set Jim created the show uh, the tone in which they've set where they've like approached some of these subjects with comedy that allows you to have a discussion with a little bit of levity which is you know, I, and I think these discussions are usually very emotional, and I think end quickly because it gets too hot. Right. Um, and I think they've done a really
0: good job of taking it on in a much with a much different approach, using comedy to kind of allow that space.
8: For, yeah, comedy and characters and like you know lighter situations to sort of
0: ease your way into you know what might be a deeper conversation. Have you like? Do you think you've learned it? Like, is there anything you've taken from the show and kind of brought into your real life? I'm always like. People are
8: like, so um, what have you learned? <laughs> and I'm like, I've learned as the white guy not to answer these questions. Oh,
0: wow. Because you're, like, you're like, to not talk and listen. A hundred percent. And they're like, well,
8: isn't this your, isn't this your, your time to have a, a point and a point of view and to stand up for some of these issues? And I go, no, I think the white guy has, en- has had enough time to talk about these things.
0: Preach! Lizzie, you've also been bringing your daughter around. I had, you know, I've watched some of the clips. She was on the Colbert It's show. her first
8: time in New York. She had never been here before, so I knew I was coming out here and we were gonna be here for a week. She has some friends that live out here, so uh, yes, we have taken t- my daughter on, and I was like, look, there's gonna be some work stuff, and she has somehow managed to pop into, like, four of the shows that we've done. She
0: and, she and it seems like she loves the camera. Would you be, if she wanted to get into acting, is that something you'd be into?
8: Well, she's, I, 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 and I think, I'm, actually I'm definitely not speaking objectively, but I think she's really talented. <laughs> 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 she does these theater classes, um, and, and uh, she's been doing it for a while. She's had some really outstanding performances, uh, <laughs> none more than she played the Pharaoh in Joseph and the Texan Colored Dreamcoat. Big role, a big role, uh, lot, a very you know, a lot of responsibility with that role, and really, I thought nailed
0: it. <laughs> Just nailed it. Uh, Oscar most, level
8: performance. Most recently, played Ursula uh, in um, Little Mermaid. Not strong. Role. Another incredible performance. And right now, was brought up to um, uh, uh, the older level, was in, in the more advanced level, and she's doing Mamma Mia right now. <laughs> and uh, again. I'm excited to see what, what we see here. You're, but yeah, I mean she really enjoys it and she comes to sit with me and sees the process of working on a TV show. And um,
0: it's great. It's really exciting. It's I mean that must be such a treasure to like be able to share that with her. That's
8: yeah, like I don't know if she's gonna do it for a living, but it's fun to watch her experience it and
0: like be a part of what dad does and it's I, fun. I love that. Now and I do, I wanna talk about dad though for a moment too, because man, okay. you have just played. I'm just gonna read the list here. Here's some of your on-screen like love interests, okay? You ready? Hannah Simone as Cece, Kristen Bell and Veronica Mars, Allison Williams in the series of unfortunate events, and I'm gonna count Darren Chris uh, in American Crime Story, okay? We're just gonna let that in there. And something I've noticed, you just truly perfected that kind of smoldering longing. I thought you were. Are we public we should publicly apologize to
8: all these women? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, the, do you do you, like one have like I want I just really wanna know, could you teach that?
8: I've done nothing and I and have just been lucky enough to work with some incredible some, in,
0: some incredible women, but no I mean, listen, I want to give you credit. I put
8: Sally field on that on that list too.
0: Absolutely. None better than her. None better than her, but you do. you have that stare, you have that kind. you know what I'm talking It's like at the wedding with CeCe. you like I you know what I'm talking about. Well, I think you know can that be taught?
8: I can't be. T- I'm, oh, I'm, sure. I'm what, sure.
0: How would you like? Get, could could you do it to camera? Just like give us give us one.
8: Oh, oh, I, you want me to do it? camera? Yeah. I mean. <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> I just want to be clear because we're we're about uh, what are we about? We're about transparency here on. A, I didn't really his know. His daughter th- is like right I didn't over even, there. He I didn't, didn't even know. Was know take this turn. I didn't
8: even know that I there was a stare or that I had a stare. Oh, you or, or do something. Max, well, I appreciate you it.
0: have in my opinion, one of the best longing, smoldering stairs. Oh man, I'm this is news you. to me. Buzzfeed approved, like 100%. Okay. But, like, could,
8: could you just? It's usually, it's usually met by my wife uh, with, what are you looking at? <laughs>
0: I want you to know I wouldn't give you that response. So you have
8: to understand, like I'm, I'm most of the time in a scene just like really acting hard <laughs> and just be like, oh, God, almighty, I'm sorry that you have to. That I'm, not, I'm gonna look at you right now and. I apologize.
0: I'm so so sorry. And
8: you gotta act like you're into this. That, look. that
0: this doesn't, that this isn't crazy. All right, well, thank you so much for joining yeah, us, man. man I, appreciate I really, it. really appreciate it. Thank you. Listen, the neighborhood is on CBS Monday nights, and what men want is in theaters February 8th. We've got more AM to DM up next. And if you wanna run on set, come on set. Come on, set. Give your day High five. You were great. Wow. Oh my gosh. Look at that. High five. High five. Thank you so much for coming in. We'll be right back. You want to wave?
7: I'm Sean Chantal Rochelle, and I'm here with Makad Brooks, musician and one of the stars of Supergirl and The CW. Good morning. Good
4: morning, how are How's you? How's it going,
7: fellow Texan?
4: Fellow Texan?
7: Yes. Houston in the house, yes. Austin in the house. OK, Let's cheers. You. Let's yeah, do cheers. it. What's yeah, up? Yeah. OK, shout out yeah, to Texas you? one time. you cheers with coffee? Yes. I mean, I'm water. No coffee for me. Oh, um, I can't be real. So we actually have a surprise for you. Okay. In addition to you being our guest, mm-hmm. you are actually our man crush Monday. Oh!
4: Am I still Man Crush Monday with yes, that voice? Yes, you are forever <laughs> Mon- Man Crush Monday. Okay, as long as it's
7: Monday, it is your day. Okay, right, cool, so we're Thank so you. excited because Supergirl just announced, CW just announced Supergirl is coming back for season five. Yes, that's right. What can you tell us about season five and what to expect? I can't
4: tell you anything 18? about season five.
7: Well, what did you I guys... I can't tell you
4: anything about the, the next episode. Okay. shoot. They don't tell us anything. You can't <laughs> say it in a word.
7: You can't even say what...
4: Even if I knew, I couldn't tell you, but I don't know. Okay. I have a loud mouth and they know that and I, I would tell people. I
7: respect that. So what's Especially re- people from Texas. Yes, it's true. This <laughs> yeah. is true. So what can you tell us? What was a Reaction, you found out there was gonna be a season five. Ah! Same yes. same one. Same way. Same okay. one.
4: Yeah. <laughs> same one. I mean it's, it's, it's always nice to, to, to be able to continue to do what you love and yeah. and um you know, just keep pushing that message out there that we're pushing. So.
7: Yeah, and a, speaking of pushing the message, I feel like one thing about CW, you recently told Insider that during your time working on mm-hmm. Supergirl, you realized that you were a sexist. So,
4: absolutely, I mean, talk absolutely. about
7: that. Yeah. What do you have to say for people who, you know, men or men who don't know that they have internalized sexism? What did you find out about yourself to work through?
4: I, I just think that if, like, if you're a man in, in a patriarchal society and you haven't examined mm. how you interact with that society and the agreements that you're participating in, Without without really you know taking into consideration what those are, yeah. then you're probably sexist, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you're doing it uh, on purpose. Yeah. You, you're you're sort of engaging in this subconscious like uh, uh, intersubjective agreements that we all have about the relationship between men and women in this country. Absolutely. And it's, it doesn't mean that you can't change, it doesn't mean that you can't get better at it, it doesn't mean that that it's a bad thing to admit it, but most of y'all are sexist, I'm just gonna tell you.
7: And what are some things that you've done to help yourself in the, okay, this is sexist, like holding yourself accountable?
4: Um, just really taking into consideration like what we're participating in every day, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So whether that's like being okay with the ring girl, holding up the numbers at the, at the boxing match, yeah. and we're like, wait, that's the only job she could get and that's not, that's not great. Or the fact that like my little cousin couldn't play the sports that she wanted to play at a public school where our taxpayers, our tax dollars are paying for that. So shouldn't she have the same opportunities as, as my male cousin? So it's just little things that we, that we accept as norm every day that we have to really take into consideration. Like what are we participating in? What are we helping foster, right? And if we're helping to foster more of the old ideas, then we're sexist, and that's a problem.
7: Absolutely, so right on. And then speaking of this ever-changing, pushing the needle, the CW, this Supergirl, this this season, the first time I've ever seeing a trans superhero in yeah. the TV history. Yeah. What, what does that feel like, and what has been the reception that you've been seeing in the cast on set, and what's been the like the aura?
4: Well, the cast on set. I mean, like we we're we're a big family, yeah. so like it hasn't really even been a big deal for us. We're just been like, yeah, that's Nicole. No big deal. And um, I think you know the way that she's handled it has just been so, with such class and grace. Um, it's not—it's weird because it's not a big deal to us. Mm-hmm. And I guess when we, like we, we leave set and everybody's like, "Oh my God, well, you guys have a have a trans superhero." I'm like, "Yeah, so yeah, it's a person." <laughs> like, and there's we have a black superhero and we have, uh, you know, I think down the line we're gonna do a, a gay superhero. And then it, it's, as time goes on, I think that we're gonna become more inclusive in our society. And, and writing a lot of the wrongs that were that were perpetuated 60, 70 years ago when these characters were created. Basically they were, people lived these really monochromatic existences and you can't blame Jack Kirby for writing what he knew but he didn't ever see people who looked like me and he damn sure didn't see people who looked like Nicole. So those weren't written. But if we're gonna create superheroes in 2019, 2018, they're gonna look like you. They're gonna look like me, they're gonna look like Nicole. So I just think it's us, um, being in step with the times, being in step with our society.
7: Absolutely, and normalizing it so we don't have to say, oh my goodness, this is the first day yeah, yeah, yeah. of that.
4: And, 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 and don't get me wrong, like, I'm very proud of that. Yeah. But at the same time, it's to me and to us, it's normal. Mm. This is normal, yeah.
7: yeah. I mean, you have had such a journey, such a tra- trajectory. I've seen you since Desperate Housewives, the game, you name it, true blood. So what would you say is the role that people recognize you for the most? When you're walking down the street, and you're like, oh man, this, it, is, this know, is the it,
4: role. It, it, depends. it depends It depends. on like the demographic. Because okay. sometimes you'll see people, and I can always spot them from down the street, right? <laughs> I'm like, they're going to say something about true blood. They go, hey, ex! I'm like, mm-hmm. They were like, and then I see a family, and they're like, James, supergirl! I'm like, yeah. And then I'll see somebody else, they'll be like, I saw your butt in that other movie! I'm like, yeah.
7: So it's, it, it you have to feel. It depends on where you are.
4: Depends. It depends. Okay. On, well, it, it depends on who you're interacting with, okay. right? Uh-huh. I've had people in New York who've run across Fifth Avenue yelling eggs. I'm like, there's traffic. You gonna get hit. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then you have little little kids in grocery stores who, who are crying. Yeah. Because of wow. Supergirl. So it's like it, it just depends on what it is.
7: Amazing. Oh but, it, it, but it
4: always feels amazing.
7: I mean, whatever yeah. role you're in, you're continuing doing great work. So, thank you so much for stopping by today and being our Man Crush Monday. Appreciate hello. It, thank you so much. Uh, That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a quite honor. I of course. You. We're so happy yeah. to have you. All right, friends. Thank you for joining us again, Makahd. You can catch new episodes of Supergirl airing Sunday nights on the CW. And you can listen to his debut album May 20th on all platforms. Up next, we're talking about a Brooklyn jail where inmates endured the pop polar vortex without heat. I can't even speak. Man Crush Monday here. Take it over. Take it over. <laughs>
4: That's it. That's
7: it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Welcome back. Miriel Elaine, you tweeted. I'll never forget the moment the power came back on at the Metropolitan Detention Center in New York City. Before, we could only hear the inmates desperate pounding and signal them with flashlights and phones. Then, all of a sudden, they were backlit and illuminated, taking visible shape as the full individuals they are. Nick Pinto from The Intercept joins me now to break down what's happening at the Metropolitan Detention Center in Brooklyn. Good morning, Nick.
2: Hey, how's it going?
0: It's going very well. Thank you so much for joining us. So why was there no power at this facility and how long had it been out?
9: Well, there have been heating issues uh, in the facility going back um, at at least a month. Um, And and many people will tell you that that the heat is always inadequate in that facility. Uh, But things got really bad a week ago yesterday when there was an electrical fire Uh, At the facility which which knocked out primary primary power to the building. So in addition to there being heating problems uh, There was no light in the cells phone systems were down computers were down people weren't getting their medicine uh, You know, they weren't getting visits from family members or even their lawyers Uh, So so that was when things began to get really bad
0: Okay, Brooklyn reporter Emma Whitfield tweeted, As they took us inside, I saw saw a young man on the floor holding a bright red inhaler, and he was saying through tears that he doesn't know if he's going to wake up tomorrow. This man is pre-trial. He hasn't been convicted of anything. Now, you were just telling us a little bit about the power they lost, the things that were down, but do you have any idea what it was actually like inside the MCD at this time?
9: Well, until, until recently, nobody, nobody had been able to get inside to, to find out. Uh, on Saturday, uh, a delegation of elected officials that included the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Gerald Nadler, um, actually sort of forced their way inside and took a tour of the facility. And they went again on Sunday. And what they described was something really grim. Some of the cells did have enough heat. Many of them did not. Um, and uh, the, the quote that you mentioned from the tweet comes from my story. Um, One of the elected officials who toured the building, who himself is asthmatic, said that he went into a cell where he he saw an asthmatic man basically gasping for breath. You know, he he hadn't been able to use a nebulizer uh, for days, uh, and and he was worried that he was going to die. Um, After the visit from the federal officials, that seemed to light a bit of a fire under under the prison um, officials, and uh, as of yesterday evening, power is back on, but... Whether that resolves all of the conditions inside uh, inside the facility, whether the heat is going to continue to be adequate is, is an open question. And and there also remains the question of why why the uh, Bureau of Prisons officials uh, seemingly lied to the public about, about there being heating problems inside the building.
0: Just real quick, do we know, were they given even any extra clothes or anything to help combat the cold? And I, I heard you mention that they couldn't even speak to their lawyers, is that legal?
9: Uh, well, there, there are some lawsuits that are, that are uh, proceeding at this very moment to, to address that question. And, and in answer to your earlier question, um, uh, no, it sounds like many people were not provided with extra clothing. At a certain point, uh, the city of New York um, uh, made a show of, of delivering a lot of extra blankets. And as far as um, uh, the accounts we've been able to get uh, suggest, those blankets given by the city weren't even handed out to, to people inside the prison.
0: Okay now the Justice League NYC tweeted family members of people who've been denied contact with their loved ones for two weeks attempted to enter MDC Brooklyn detention center and officers inside pepper sprayed them uh, so do we yeah,
9: know anything I was there for that
0: you were there for that what, what was that moment like?
9: Uh, well that, that came out of a situation where um, a, a mother with with uh, who, whose son was incarcerated inside had actually been able to, to call up uh, and and speak with him from the parking lot into the building and and that experience was clearly really upsetting and traumatic for her And she decided that she was going to go inside She was gonna go past the police barricades and go into the lobby and and try to try to get in there and talk about Why she wasn't able to see her son and and when she did that a lot of the other family members along with uh, some of the protesters and and a lot of media uh, went in with her and um Prison officials and and uh, corrections officers and security did not take well to that, and they pushed everyone out quite forcefully, knocked a lot of people to the ground, and and deployed some pepper spray. All
0: right, now Nick, if, if my producers are telling me correctly, you actually have to run out the door. Can you just tell us where you're headed? Uh, what 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 you're going to go uh, cover?
9: Sure. So so one of the uh, one of the court proceedings stemming from this episode, in which uh, federal defenders are are challenging what's happened and and calling uh the bureau of prisons to account for this uh is about to to take place in federal court so i want to go catch that hearing
0: all right well go catch that hearing maybe we'll have you back on the show to tell us more about this it's obviously an ongoing issue we really appreciate appreciate all your coverage nick
9: no problem thanks for having me
0: listen up next saeed and i are going to read some of your tweets stick around
1: Welcome back, what a morning. Uh, So this story just hit the timeline and a lot of you are already talking about it. Liam Neeson uh, did an interview with The Independent um, because he's out promoting a new movie. You know, Liam Neeson, we love him, You know, he's great, Great. everything. Uh, This is one of the things he says in this interview. Liam Neeson has revealed that he considered carrying out a racist murder years ago after someone close to him was allegedly raped by a black man. What?
0: And uh, <laughs> Say just walked out the set It was like, like hey, you...
1: did you see this yet? And I just want to see there's a screenshot of a, a, another part of the article his co-star Tom Bateman sitting behind him, beside him during the interview can be heard saying holy shit what is going on? what do we just need to have like like the, like the, the Ameri- it is Aquarius season and Aquarius season <laughs> is not supposed to be like this I just like, do we need to have something like the Purge, where they're just like, all right, white people, y'all got one day, twenty four hours, come on, all the, all the skeletons, show rat, us your Eurobo your photos, skeletons, tell us like, what is <laughs> just, it's crazy. So, so I, that just hit the timeline. That just hit the timeline. Like as soon as we wrap, I'm gonna go sit down and read everything I can about this. Me but, too. Man. All right, all right. In other news, uh, we asked you uh, what you were doing yesterday instead of watching the Super Bowl. Oh, I don't know if you saw the uh, the Super Bowl had like ten year low ratings last year yesterday
0: yeah shouldn't have made that this is the one thing i can say about football i'm about to get it right oh shouldn't done that crappy call against new orleans That would have been a better game. Oh, they did have that part.
1: Is that why they were partying in New York? Don't ask me any follow-up questions. That's the one thing I know. (laughs) Let's stay on track. Okay, Softy38 said, I had a Shit's Creek marathon with my daughter. Ew, David. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. That's, what a great way to spend the day. I man, that is, I have, my to to watch list is about the Oh, because you haven't started yet. I still need to start it, but it really feels like that, it got on Netflix and everybody's talking Also, I just got to say, if I was a mom watching Shit's Creek with my daughter in a marathon, I would be bawling. Well, it's
0: so. funny that you should bring Whew. up others because we asked you all if you became governor, what yeah. would be the scandal that threatened to upend your administration? Skater Girl says... The fact that I am a mom, but can still twerk, if I so choose, with the
1: 20-somethings at my Zumba fitness class.
0: Oh, I mean, I don't know, that, girl, I'm like, do it. That's, yeah, I feel like that's go. gonna help
1: your election. <laughs> go, By the rate of scandals that are taking down men in politics right now, I don't think you have anything to worry about, homegirl. <laughs> <y'all> said. <laughs> oh my gosh, well, let's wrap up the show so we can go plunge back into the chaos. All uh, the stuff <laughs> we're gonna talk about on tomorrow's my show. My goodness, thank you to all of our wonderful guests, Ryan Brooks, Darren Sands, Emma Loop, Dara Lind, Max Greenfeld, McCod Brooks, and Nick Pinto. Thank you all. That was absolutely a wonderful show. We
0: will be back here tomorrow at 10 a.m. Good luck with your Mondays, ladies and gentlemen. May uh, Adam Levine be with you. <laughs>